Hello and welcome into Airing It Out, a Penn State podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times. I'm your host, John Sauber, and I'm joined, as always, by Josh Moyer. Josh, how's it going? Hey, not too bad. The XFL season is in full swing, John Sauber, so, you know, get hyped. Yeah, I, I, I got to admit, I've watched like four snaps and I got bored. I can't do it. I just, I, every time one of these leagues starts, I give up on it way too quickly and I get that other people are enjoying it and I'm glad they are. But man, I just, I need the real thing. And, you know, soon enough we'll get there. We'll have spring ball here starting in about a month. Uh, but until then, you know, we finally got a complete Penn State coaching staff, we think. Uh, last time I think I said this too. And of course, there was another hire that was made. And uh, that was, of course, John Scott Jr., who was hired after Sean Spencer left for the New York Giants. Uh, Scott Jr., of course, came from South Carolina, uh, had a previous stint with Brent Pry uh, on one of Pry's coaching staffs when Pry was a defensive coordinator, I believe, at Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, so he, he has some connections there. Uh, what are your thoughts on this hire? And, you know, what, what do you think it says about where Penn State's at as a program? All right, John. Well, I, I got to tell you, my, my initial reaction to, to the hire of, of Scott Jr. was just uh, one of, meh, you know, I, I just I, I was not, you know, overwhelmed by the hire. And I, I don't think many people were. It's not that this wasn't a terrible hire. It's just, you know, Sean Spencer has been such a gigantic part of Penn State's success when he left. Um, you know, part of the prestige of playing for Penn State's defensive line left with him. So they just needed a great hire to kind of move that forward. And I think it's pretty much clear to everyone that the defensive line just took a big step back. I mean, John Scott Jr., if you look at him, I mean, I get why they hired him. I mean, this is someone they were familiar with. James Franklin said before that they like to hire people they know, you know, so they kind of know what they're going to get. But I mean, John Scott Jr., while he was well-regarded at Arkansas, where he worked for two years, uh, after spending some time with the Jets, uh, his one year in South Carolina, where he was hired from, wasn't exactly the the most impressive. I mean, if you look at uh, the defensive line for South Carolina, they weren't that great. And and I get it; he's kind of dealing with with you know different players, and you know he's not building the roster from scratch. But you know they had one All SEC defensive lineman, and and he was a senior. And you know this was a, a middling, you know mediocre defensive line. So it's just kind of weird that. Penn State, who's consistently led the nation in sacks the past few years with Spence, is going to a guy from the SEC who was making four hundred fifty grand last year, and you know he, he just doesn't have the track record anywhere close to Spence. And again, like I said, it you know I get they they, they know who this guy is. He's been at three stops with Spence. Uh, I think he played for for a year or two um, under under uh, you know uh, Brent Pry. Uh, he he followed him to two other stops. Uh, I want to say Louisiana Lafayette was one of them. And can you help me out on the other one? It escapes me at the moment, John. Yeah, it was Louisiana Lafayette and Georgia Southern, I believe. Were Georgia the, Southern. Were the two main ones. I got you. I got you. So, you know, it, when, when, you, when you take that all in together again, you know, maybe this turns out to be a really good hire. But, you know, I, quite frankly, I was pretty underwhelmed at, uh, at where they went um, at this point. Yeah, I think if you're looking for for a positive here, uh, if if you're you're Penn, a Penn State fan, it's that you know you mentioned the one All SEC guy, uh, and that's Javon Kinlaw. Uh, Kinlaw at least looks like he's going to be a first round pick in this this 2020 NFL draft. Uh, he wasn't that heading into this season. He was a good player, obviously talented, but but uh, you know Scott helped him take that next step forward. So I think if you're looking for a silver lining, that's where it is. Outside of that, I don't see a ton of them. You're right. I think this hire was made because of familiarity, which is not necessarily a great way to go about things. Uh, I, I have to imagine there were, there were better candidates available, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised this is the route they went. Of course, Spencer endorsed Scott on, on Twitter. 
uh, you know, said that that. Oh, the, I mean, what is what is he gonna say though? Right. Well, you know, like, oh, he what a shitty say, coach. <laughs> he doesn't have to say anything, which I think is the alternative. Uh, you know, uh, and, he's been with Franklin forever. He was. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. They could have hired you, Sauber, and Spencer would have come on. So, you know, I'm not saying that you know this guy's a terrible coach. I don't know. I don't know. But the fact that they just hired someone that that they knew and, and doesn't have the track record of Spence. I don't care what the hell former Penn State people say about him. You know, boo. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm with you. I don't think it's a great hire. Uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist of the two of us, and one of us has got to keep it even keeled here. Uh, so I, we'll balance it out with a little bit of bright side there. But, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to go – I mean, I don't think he's going to reach levels that, that Spence did in his time at Penn State. I think if you're a Penn State fan, you're just hoping that it's not a massive downgrade and that the, the downgrade is one where just the – the defensive line is still a strength. It's just not among the best in the nation, which, which, it, like you said, it was against Sean, uh, under Sean Spencer. Uh, but you know that it, it's just one of those hires that you kind of go in expecting them to, to hit a big name because of who they lost and seemingly the money they lost because of the titles that Spencer held. And to come out with a mediocre hire is not what you want to do here. Uh, you know, where would you say this ranks among the hires that they've made this off season? Um. Dead last, uh, I would say. I mean, yeah, you know, like I, I, I'd say I hate to be so flippant, but, but you know, no, it, dead last. Uh, I, I mean, listen, I, I think Sharaka and I think Troutwine are both just, you know, absolutely fantastic hires. You know, I think they're, you know, one and two. We're tied for first. But, you know, I, I'd give them both A's. You know, maybe, you know, maybe Troutwine and A minus. You know, but if I had to grade them, you know, that's what I would go with. And you know, stubble field, you know, technician, I think he, you know, he has potential to be good. It's just, you know, obviously he's been a bit of a journeyman. He needs stability. Penn State needs stability. So maybe that ends up being a good marriage. But but this, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the resume and it just doesn't seem like this was, I don't think this was a move many expected when it came to, you know, looking at where he's been at this point. Agree? Yeah, I, I actually would, would rank them similarly. I, I would give uh, Troutwine an A as well. I think he is a He's a fantastic hire. I think him and Sharaka were were home run hires by Franklin. They were yeah. They were sort of the the two openings that I guess we saw coming, which could explain why they were such excellent hires. Maybe there's more preparation done. Of course, Penn State had some say in uh, well had all of the say in Lime Grover uh, leaving when they decided not to renew his contract. And when Ricky Ronnie left, it seemed like there was uh, you know a, a little bit of thought that that he was going to be going for about a week beforehand, or at least four or five days beforehand. So it gave them some momentum. Uh, toward getting a hire done, and it's a coordinator spot. It's always easier to hire a coordinator uh, because when you're at a at a school like Penn State, that job's going to be wanted by a lot of candidates, uh, especially when you have as much talent as Penn State does right now. But you know, with with Stubblefield and uh, and Scott, these were sort of unexpected departures, a little bit at the last minute, uh, late in the late in the coaching cycle too, and all of a sudden you're you're sort of grasping for whatever you can out there because a bunch of guys have taken new jobs already and probably don't want to leave them after they just took them. And this is what you're left with. Uh, I think Stubblefield and Scott could both be successful, but right now if I had to peg two that I, I think are, are going to be unsuccessful unsuccessful or aren't going to meet the expectations, those would be the two, and I don't think it's particularly close right now. I think the real question here is how does this impact the guys on Penn State's roster? How does this impact recruiting? We don't know with Scott. Uh, he was only at South Carolina for a year, so it's tough to get a gauge on how he was recruiting because he didn't have time to build relationships. Uh, we know Stubblefield's not heralded as a recruiter, so we'll see with those guys. Uh, Troutwine seems to be hitting the ground running. Sharaka seems to be hitting the ground running. So 
So I think the focus then should be on the guys on the roster right now and who's going to be impacted by all of these hires and, and who is going to see sort of the benefits of their hires and who could regress because they don't have a coach like Spencer there anymore. So, you know, I'll let you pick a coach, let you start wherever you would like. Uh, who's one guy you think that is going to benefit from, from these hires? Um, Sean Clifford. Uh, that is the, the, the first name that comes to mind. And maybe that's the obvious one. And that's probably the one most everyone else would pick. But, you know, the, the fact is that, that, that Sharaka, you know, had already met with Clifford said that, you know, he has a lot of football knowledge and that he looks forward to working with him. And, and listen, I mean, we, we saw what he was able to do at Minnesota. That was one of the best seasons Minnesota has had in, in over a hundred years. You know, I mean, that, that means something, uh, you know, you know, Minnesota's offense looked great. Tanner Morgan, you know, again, we will talk about this game probably for the next five years, at least the way they picked apart Penn state, because we've seen almost nothing quite like that. And again, I've gone back to this stat a lot because I love it. You know, I think this, this, this tells us everything, but Tanner Morgan was, was 19 of 20 passing. I think it was 19 of 20. It was, it was, I believe it was 18 of 20, 18 of 20, 18 of 20 makes sense because that was the worst completion rate Penn state had allowed this century, you know, no other quarterback had picked apart Penn State secondary quite like Tanner Morgan. So to have a guy who has that knowledge and can see those weaknesses in the defense, I think that's something that obviously Ricky Ronnie was not as good at, which is why, you know, Minnesota, Penn State, Tanner Morgan did really well. And Sean Clifford, you know, obviously uh, not as much. But um, yeah, I, I think that he's going to benefit tremendously. And, you know, as far as Trout one and the offensive line, I mean, uh, I know you told me to just pick one coach here, but I feel like the whole offensive line is, is going to get better from that. And um, I probably look at Rasheed Walker first and foremost, just because he's got that potential to be that day one, day two NFL draft pick uh, next year. And I think that Trout one is going to be a big reason for that. Yeah. You know, I, I completely agree about Clifford. Uh, it's funny. I think he could be the biggest benefactor of three of the hires. Uh, if you look at which everything you said about Chirac is true. Uh, he has shown that he can develop quarterbacks. He can put them in a position to succeed. And obviously that benefits Clifford uh, with Stubblefield being added, you know, he may not be a great recruiter, but if he is the technician that he's made out to be wideouts are going to be open more and it's going to be easier for Sean Clifford to hit open guys. Uh, and of course, with Troutwine, if the offensive line is better, Sean Clifford has more time to work through a progression that something he struggled with uh, last year. And, you know, he could he could take a step forward there. So I think there's a reasonable argument that he's the biggest benefactor of three of these four hires. And honestly, you could make an argument that he's a benefactor of Spencer's departure, too, because he's probably not going to, you know, have as uh, has have as many pass rushers in his face in practice. Uh, oh, because boo. Of, <laughs> uh, no, no, you're going, you're going a little crazy. Oh, that was a joke. Summer. Come on. Uh, boo. Uh, so, but, but seriously, the, the Clifford is a clear winner here uh, in all regards. Uh, I, I have to imagine he's going to take a step forward next year. And if he doesn't, I think it's a terrible sign for him and his development uh, to, to go off your trout one uh, choice with, with Rashid Walker. I think Walker is a great pick, but I would go with someone more like Caden Wallace, who is even a little bit younger, who is, you know, hot, not had his uh, sort of uh, his technique molded by Matt Leingrover as much. Uh, it, it allows Troutwine to have more of a ball of clay and allows him to to have more of control of what he's going to do. He doesn't necessarily have to relearn anything. He's learning a lot of things more for the first time. Uh, and, and I think that could be hugely beneficial for them. All the young guys along the offensive line, I think, are going to benefit from Troutwine being there. Uh, it seems to me that he is a better offensive line coach than Leingrover. And I think at the end of the day, that matters a lot. 
and, and I think we're going to see this line take a step forward. There are a lot of veterans there right now that will improve, but I, I really think they're going to be young guys challenging some of those veterans for some of those spots along the offensive front. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, Troutwine instantly makes this unit, this entire unit, better. And I feel like you can say the same for Sharaka. You know, that, that bodes pretty darn well for the offense. Defensively is obviously where the question mark is. Um, you know, without Spencer, who, again, was, was also just a, uh, you know, a great personality. And, and hey, you know, that, it has to help with recruiting when you've got a coach who, you know, is in a leather jacket riding in a motorcycle on national TV. You know, uh, helps the image. Uh, but, no, I, you know, I, I, I do wonder about this, this defensive line. There's going to be a lot of competition. There's a lot of guys like you have Jason Oway who, you know, just has these incredible measurables. And if you have the right coach in there who can mold that into something great, he has a chance, he, he seriously has a chance to be one of the best defensive players in the country because he has the best measurables in the country. You know, those two don't always go hand in hand. You can obviously be a, a great athlete and not a great football player, but the fact is he has that potential. Um, John Scott Jr. is going to have a lot to work with, and I think we'll be able to see here in year one, you know, just how good of a coach he is. Yeah, uh, always an excellent example for 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 someone that Scott could impact positively or negatively. I would go with Disa Isaac as well, uh, another guy that that has yeah. you know all the pass rush ability in the world and seemed like a guy that was set to take a step forward this coming season. We'll see if he does without Sean Spencer there. Who knows? Uh, that could be the, one of the biggest guys that's impacted by this. I really think you're looking at every guy who is sort of uh, again. I go back to this, this phrase, this ball of clay that Spencer was ready to mold into something. Now those guys, it might stagnate a little bit. You know, you might not see the same trajectory that we've seen a lot of guys take in, in Spencer's time at Penn State uh, with Scott there now. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think we could see a, a legitimate decrease in pass rush ability there. And I think you could see, you know, maybe recruits aren't coming to Penn State as much because they don't see Spencer there. They don't see the sack numbers. He wasn't surprisingly, you know, for whatever reason it is, he wasn't an uh, elite recruiter. Uh, you would think he would be with, like you said, the leather jacket and everything. He is. He seems to be very affable uh, and, and very straightforward. But they didn't necessarily pull in the top guys in the nation year in and year out at defensive end, but they did pull in guys that, that had a ton of potential and a ton of room for growth, and, and Spencer was a big reason for that. Uh, and now with that – And gone, the players you know, loved him. Yeah, without a doubt. The players absolutely loved him. Uh, I, I think it was it was clear that that he was beloved by almost everyone at Penn State. Uh, I, I would bet that you would have a hard time uh, finding a lot of people that would speak negatively about him. Uh, but you know, we'll see where this goes. Uh, we're 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 talking down about Scott a lot here, but I think it's I think it's well deserved. Uh, we don't know where this entire room's going to go after it was one of the strengths of the team for years under James Franklin, and now it might legitimately become a weakness. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I get, you know, to, to a point, to an extent, it, it's unfair, you know, uh, you know, that we can say, you know, this is an underwhelming hire and in the same breath say, hey, I really don't know just how good of a coach he is. But when you're Penn State, you have the ability and the budget that pretty much no other school in the country outside of maybe 10 or maybe even five can, you know, afford to do. I mean, you have more options than anyone. You know, James Franklin has said in the past that, he has a list um, that he keeps updated all the time of, you know, 10 coaches, you know, for each position in case, in case someone leaves. So he's always prepared. And yeah, I'm calling shenanigans on that list because there's no way that John Scott Jr. was, was number one on that list. But, you know, uh, it, it's just, you know, to me, if you can have a home run hire, Sharaka's the home run hire, Trout wins the home run hire, 
you know, why couldn't you still, you know, get that home run higher, um, you know, from, you know, defensive line. Penn State is going to be paying more money than a whole host of other schools. Like I said, I believe he was making $435,000 out South Carolina. I don't know how much Spencer was making because Penn State doesn't have to release that, which is a podcast for another time because that's also BS. Uh, but he, he was making a lot more than that. And I have to think that if Penn State had really targeted another defensive line coach, they would have had the money, you know, to, you know, quote unquote, pry him away, you know, from, from the community's edge, just like they were able to do with John Scott Jr. So, you know, again, I, I you know, we'll, we'll wait and see here. We'll be able to tell a whole lot, you know, by this first year. And yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. The, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there are a lot of reasons to believe this hire should have been better. I think Scott may have been high on Brent Pry's list. Uh, if he had yeah. a list himself, uh, it's a guy, like we said, that he's familiar with, but that doesn't necessarily mean he should be high on James Franklin's list. Uh, I think they definitely could have been, could have done better here. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not like the Stubblefield hire where at least you can see the reasoning behind it. You know, with Stubblefield, this is a guy that may not be a great recruiter, but Penn State needs someone who's going to make wide receivers better, period. They, they, they can't worry about recruiting right now if those guys are going to get on campus and they're not going to do well. And like Justin Shorter, they're going to transfer. That doesn't help Penn State at all. So you can at least see why you'd make a hire like Stubblefield. With Scott, yeah. there, there's, there's much less of that. You know, there's, there's less uh, finite reasoning on why this hire was made uh, other than the relationship aspect. Uh, we'll see what comes of it. I don't want to keep bashing the guy. He may do a great job. We don't know. You know, he hasn't stayed at, at many places long enough for us to really know. Uh, but the same can be said about Stubblefield. But I want to get back to him real quick because neither of us picked a wideout we think that can benefit most from him here. And, and I think this is going to be an important position for Penn State this year. Uh, it's a spot, like I said, where guys haven't developed in the past. It's a spot where they need them to develop. They need guys to get more open for Clifford. They need guys to catch balls that Clifford delivers to them. So I'll let you go first here. Who do you think is going to be the biggest benefactor here? And I'm going to leave Jahan Dotson out of this because we know that he's going to be the number one target next season. We know he's likely to produce at a high level. Uh, but who else outside of Dotson, who's already a great route runner, do you think could see us take a step forward from Stubblefield's hire? Well, when you say, you know, pick one receiver, I think that's what's kind of so unique about this situation and why someone didn't jump to our minds before because everyone outside of Jahan Dotson is pretty much in the exact same situation. You know, they're young. They, they, don't have a lot of experience and, you know, they're looking to break out. I mean, you, know, you could seriously just throw a dart, you know, probably against six different wideouts and whenever that dart hits, that wouldn't be a bad pick. Uh, so, I mean, I guess, you know, guys, I think about um, certainly, you know, uh, um, two of the, the freshmen coming in, um, Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert, uh, you know, those are guys who could contribute immediately and, you know, have a lot of different things that they can do well. Um, you know, John Dunmore, um, and, and Daniel George are, are two other white, as I think of. So, you know, you tell me to, to, to pick one, um, you know, I'm just going to throw a dart at the board and, and uh, you know, hmm. I guess, uh, I guess at this point I'd say Daniel George, just because, you know, he's been with the team a little bit longer. He'll be a redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, we saw that he had the potential before to, to crack into the lineup and, you know, there's that familiarity with, with the system, which Chirac is going to build upon. That, that maybe, um, you know, he'll be able to, to contribute you know, a little bit more. So, you know, again, I, John, you know, I'm going to ask you to pick one too. And if you pick pretty much anyone, I, I think I would be hard-pressed to disagree. Unless you pick K.J. Amler, in that case, you're fired. And, uh, you know, we can move on to another topic. 
That would be the best. Well, we wouldn't be moving on to any other topic, really, if I got fired, which is probably the best topic. We'd go on without you, Sommer. (laughs) It would be a one-man show, and I think that's what everybody really (laughs) wants here. I should just let you record 30 minutes at a time here and let the audience get what they want. Uh, But no, I I think you're right. I think you could really throw a dart here. I, I really like the Daniel George pick. I think the refinement in his route running, the you know, the him seeing the ball into his hands will help more. He's a guy who struggled with drops a little bit. Uh, I'll go a little bit off the beaten path and go with TJ Jones. Uh, he's another mm-hmm. big physical specimen wide receiver. Uh, I, I think he could benefit from some refinement. And if, if Taylor Stubblefield is the technician that we expect him to be, then he's going to improve these guys as route runners. Uh, and if he does that with Jones, he has the physical tools to take a step forward. But you're absolutely right. Again, these are guys across the board who can see improvement. You've got someone in Keandre Lambert who has, you know, all world quickness. Uh, his shuttle shuttle times have been ridiculous when when they've been electronically timed. Uh, they're, I believe they're on an Olympic level. Don't quote me on that one because I'm not entirely sure. But he's he's an absurd athlete. Uh, gets in and out of his breaks with ease. Now, if he could just refine the footwork and, and become a, a, you know, more refined route runner, then I think he's going to take a step forward. And he could be a guy we see contribute year one if he can get a little bit of weight on him and, you know, sustain some of the hits that he's going to take at the at the Big Ten level. But, you know, this is a position you could pick five guys. You could pick a walk-on, and I wouldn't really argue it that much because we, we need to see someone step up to know who's going to be behind Jahan Dotson. And right now, I don't think there's a clear answer for that. Well, you know, if I could, if I could kind of put you on the hot spot for a second, John Sauber. Uh, first, let me preface by saying I, I never get tired of hearing Josh. You're completely right. So uh, <laughs> I'll you know, make sure to stop keep that doing up. it. <laughs> but, but, but no, I, you know, I thought the uh, the TJ Jones pick was interesting. So let me just ask you: uh, next season, who finishes with more catches, John Dunmore or TJ Jones? Why? Uh, John Dunmore. He's a better route runner, and I'm more confident that that he's going to, you know, see a bigger role this year. Uh, I, I do think Jones can take a step forward. And I think he can benefit more from Stubblefield, but I think Dunmore is already on that path. I think he's already well on his way. And for him, it's just about, you know, fine tuning the finer points. Whereas with, with Jones, it's more about, you know, completely refining everything. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dunmore's game. I think he's going to have a great Penn State career. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the leading receiver next year. And I know that's a hot take that I'm sure will get thrown in my face by you and everybody else that listens to this. But I, mean, I think he's, uh... He's, he's a really, it's it's February. It's February. It's time for hot takes. If we're going to do it, let's do it now. Let's fire off all the hot takes we can, you know, uh, let's pick a Fessler to start at quarterback next year. You name one. I'll I'll assume that they're real. We've seen so many of them on the Penn state roster. Let's just start firing off the hot takes now. But, you know, I, I, I think Dunmore has a legitimate chance to be a a big time weapon for a few years at Penn state. And, uh, you know, why not start as a redshirt freshman? I was just going to say, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, uh, not quite, but um, what, I, what I do think is interesting with the, uh, with the Dunmore pick and that, you know, quote unquote hot take uh, is when Bill O'Brien first came, people were trying to guess who the number one receiver was going to be. And I, I'm telling you, no one had Allen Robinson kind of, you know, pegged out as being the, the, the number one guy. I mean, when you look at it, uh, you know, that season, I think he was a true freshman the year before you know, maybe had about eight catches. And then the very next year he comes in, people are pointing to the more experienced guys and, you know, the, the dynamite freshman, but it ended up being Allen Robinson, you know, played sparingly that Matt McGoin said, you know, didn't get a fair shot under Joe Paterno, you know, comes in and ends up breaking all these sorts of records coming out of nowhere. And, you know, whether or not you've seen them or their experience, sometimes, you know, talent just trumps everything. And, and we haven't seen a lot of these guys and, uh, 
you know, so, so we'll see what happens. But I, I guess what I'm saying, John Sauber, to make a long story short, it could very well be done more. We, we, we just don't know. And that's, that's part of why I like football so much, because there's a lot of those unknowns there, and, and we don't know who will step up. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's true. Uh, and, and I could very well be as wrong as possible with this one, too, which would not surprise me. It would not be. My money would be on that one, but just because hey, there's so many wideouts. You know, at least, yeah, exactly. You're, you're throwing a dart here and, and hopefully mine hit the bullseye. I doubt it. It rarely does. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this is a good place for us to wrap up. Uh, you know, this is it's, it's a weird time of year. We're between a lot of things for Penn State. Spring practice not about to start yet. Uh, just got done with recruiting, uh, you know, National Signing Day just came and went, but Penn State didn't sign anyone. So is, uh, is there anything else you're looking, to, you're looking to say about these coaching hires or anything else you want to downgrade John Scott about today? <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, I think I'm pretty good with that. I, I guess the next thing is just uh, I, I am obsessed uh, unhealthily with the NFL draft. So, you know, I'll just be reading those mock drafts and the big boards and We'll have more content, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a whole lot more of that about that in the very near future, which I can't tell you how much I enjoy. When college meets the NFL, John Sauber, oh, this, is, part of the year. this is like my Christmas, man. Like, you know, I, I love, you know, we're just, you and I, we're just going to go to champs and develop our own, like, seven-round mock draft. And I'm only half kidding about that because yeah, I would that, totally do that. If, if you were to commit to that, that would become a real thing, and we would probably both be fired for spending too many hours at champs. <laughs> a seven round mock draft which is a thing that I did in the past I was a very uh very enthusiastic 14 year old at one point in my life about a decade ago and and loved making mock drafts but yeah I mean it's it's the best time of year for that sort of stuff uh I'll be glued to the combine if I can't watch any of it I'll record it I'll watch it later I'll find time to watch it um you know we'll have plenty plenty on that uh as I'm sure a lot of you have noticed we are now bi-weekly you know uh, recording every once every other week uh not like I said, not a lot going on right now. So it allows us to keep these episodes fresh. Doesn't allow us, uh, you know, it doesn't force us to to sort of force conversation uh, and force us to talk about things that don't really exist. So you'll hear more from us again in about two weeks, and the combine will be wrapped up at that point. So we could have some interesting, uh, you know, hot takes on on what happened there and where these guys will land. And by then, we'll be getting closer to spring ball. So you know, who knows where that will take us? Stuff happens. Stuff seems to happen all the time with Penn State. And I wouldn't be surprised if something broke, of course, right after we ended this podcast. Here's the contract. Hoping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be waiting on the contract. Uh, with the way this has gone, though, we, we've gotten a, a coaching change at the last day of every month. So nine days from now, today being Wednesday, February, or 10 days from now, today being Wednesday, February 19th, you know, if, if we have another coaching change 10 days from now, I wouldn't be surprised with, with the way uh, recent trends have gone. Well, at this point, the, the only coaching change that can happen at this point would be Franklin. So uh, we'll see. Maybe the leap year breaks it up. That, that's what's going to happen, John yeah. Sauber. Yeah, leap year breaks, breaks the trend. I, I think that's the hope. But that'll do it for this week's episode of Airing It Out. You can find us, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you want to read Josh and I's writing, you can subscribe to a sports pass from the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sportspodcast. That's Senno, C-E-N-T-R-E. Follow us on Twitter at, at by Josh Moyer and at John Sauber. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.